Okay, sweet. Because we're going to talk about gungerness, and we need some beautiful things on Ash Wednesday. Um, Cheesy, but it works. <laughs> do you know who we are? <laughs> yes. Okay. We, we, are, we have not... We have to fully embrace the cheese before we can move beyond the cheese. Uh, and, uh, you know. You have to grab the cheese before you can eat it. Amen. Or something. I, I don't, don't I know don't, what that means. I know exactly what it means. <laughs> Cheddar. <laughs> oh. So y'all both went to a concert last weekend in my recent stopping grounds. Good we, old. We did. Went on the common grounds in good old Waco. Did you get coffee? I did not. I did. What did you get? Uh, about 30-minute wait time. <laughs> That's <laughs> why I did not that, get coffee. After that, uh, I got the Snickers latte. Ooh, nice. So you don't like coffee. No, I do like coffee, but I didn't... I, I was... I was, I was uh, Notice the stuttering. <laughs> Justification. <laughs> now, I'm saying this is the guy who in high school would regularly go to Common Grounds... And get the Snickers Frappuccino. So you know, I have no room to judge. No, um, I, I I do like coffee, but I was I was like lured by the board of stuff, mm. and I I can It'll be lured you. by that stuff. And and yeah, I I you know I wish I had gotten coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is too this is too sweet. This is entirely too sweet. Yeah, it's all um, about the cowboy coffee with the dark roast. That, and it. that's what Ooh, I was that's yeah. what I was looking at. I should yeah. have done that. Oh well, that's all right. missed opportunities. That is it is. It was an interesting concert to be. I mean, the coffee was one thing, but um, you know, I'd heard the brilliance in concert there a couple of times. But this was the first time where they were on tour with people who you could tell they really knew and cared about, right? Mm-hmm. And so it was what they called the end of the world tour, which was an interesting <laughs> way to approach things. But um, with propaganda, the brilliance, and gunker. And what I didn't know when we bought the tickets was that this was apparently the last mm-hmm. concert tour for Gunger as Gunger. Uh, for those of you who are thinking, Gunger, who's Gunger? How do we know them? Right? They're the beautiful things people, among any, many other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think at this point, they believe their next artistic venture is to move beyond the beautiful things space in the world, right? And so they think they got to reboot in order to do that. Um, it feels like they've been on that journey for a while now. Yeah. Yeah. They they've were, been real experimental lately yeah. with, with music. And I, the thing is, it ticked a lot of people off. Because <laughs> right. as most people do, and that as most, you know, any band does when they get experimental, it makes people angry because they want the same thing over and over again sometimes. Uh, but then there are other people who are like, oh, wow, this is new and different and interesting. And um, I've always, that's what I've always appreciated about them is that they wouldn't they never settled for like this is what we sound like forever Mm -hmm. like no we're artists we want to be able to create in in our own way and do things differently and yeah i think they needed to shed that that kind of label in order to feel more fully to be able to create yeah on a recent podcast they named that um every time you pull them up on spotify right there's the list Mm -hmm. of five songs that they produced 10 years ago that are really no longer their style, no longer their DNA, but people can't access their newest stuff on in a lot of the normal streaming mechanisms because of the power and the popularity of some of that stuff from 10 years ago. And so they yeah. think shifting the name is a way of leaving sort of in a wilderness period yeah. this 
stuff that has been formative and powerful to who they are, but it, so that they can step into their future, kind of what where they're being led next along the way. Speaking of wildernesses, yeah. Jesus goes out into the wilderness. He, he does, and, and it's in a way uh, a journey that prepares him for what is to come. Welcome to the Gather, Grow, Go podcast. I'm Pastor Daniel. I'm Pastor Melissa. I'm non-Pastor Michael. We're so glad that you are here with us today. Uh, We are going to be wrestling, so if you've got your Bibles or your Bible app, just so you know ahead of time where we're going to be talking and where we're going to be wrestling, we're looking at Luke chapter 3, verses 21 and 22, as well as Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. These are two separate vignettes in the scripture. One is the baptism of Jesus and then his temptation in the wilderness. But before we go there, yeah. welcome. This is our first podcast that we're putting out into the world. It is. There are two test pods that you will never hear, and Maybe. we are so glad about that. Unless you pay us lots of money, then you will hear them, um, and you'll be disappointed, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> yes, welcome. We are so glad that you are here on this journey, this Lenten season with us. So the idea of this podcast is just getting together and kind of wrestling through some of that stuff that maybe can't make it to the sermon because there's always so much time in a sermon and and also just a chance to connect in the middle of the week with people and with yeah. one another of those of us that are gathered around this table um, because we truly do want to wrestle with um, the concepts and ideas that we find ourselves, whether it be in the scriptures wrestling with, or perhaps in this church that we find ourselves working in, um, or in the midst of just ordinary life of where does God show up in the midst of it. So hope this is helpful to you. Yeah. We, so we want to hear from you. We do. Yeah. We, we want to hear from you. So this will be on iTunes. Leave us reviews, like us. Um, Melissa and I, our emails are out on the website. Mm-hmm. Shoot us an email. I'm Daniel at FUMCCleburn.com. And I'm Melissa at FUMCCleburn.com. If you drive to Crowley and walk around and yell, Michael, <laughs> you might find me. <laughs> there you go. My email is MichaelDManley84 at gmail.com. All right, as we get started, we, we really do hope that this is a conversation, right? In many ways, you're eavesdropping on a conversation, but we want you to be a part of that. And that's why we'd love to have your feedback along the way, um, because I think we learn the most and we encounter God's hopes and dreams and will the most, not in the monologue form that is often a sermon, but in a conversation where we can come um, with all of our experiences and our wrestlings together to, to hear from God and to be formed by that time together. For Lent, we are bringing back the 90s (laughs) with what would Jesus do? Some good WWJD bracelets. I got about 200 of them sitting in my office right now. And Melissa swears that we are on the cutting edge of cool. Either we are not or this is an ironic nod at the 90s. One of the two. Um, And, you know, I'm Mr. Dad Joke, so... I think I'm being ironic. I'm not cool. So there we go. I mean, I am the only one at this table with a nose piercing, so we can gauge coolness perhaps off of that. Is this a challenge, Michael, for next week? (laughs) (laughs) So jumping in uh, with 
this WWJD concept, whether we engage it ironically, whether we think we're hipsters and we're on the cutting edge of something, or whether we never understood that craze and weren't really a part of it, uh, our idea with it is that that's a question that's been asked of Christians. What would Jesus do? And the reality is, is if we spend time in the Gospels, if we spend time studying Jesus and then seeing that Jesus did things because he was live, he was walking around, and if we start to spend time doing those things, perhaps we can learn something new about how to answer that question of what would Jesus do. And that might, in its own way, inform what we do as we live our real lives, walking through our day to day. So Lent is a season where we traditionally, we, we get rid of stuff. We take off the things that have kind of kept us from God, perhaps. Mm. Um, and it's a season where we can take on things. And I think in our lives, I don't know about y'all, but, you know, we had program meeting just earlier this morning and I made a statement of no one's going to add anything to my list to do because <laughs> it's already too long. Mm. And so I think the first step in Lent, to do Lent well and be able to take on some of these traits and attributes of Jesus, is that we first have to give something up, mm. which means crossing some things off of that to-do list. Yeah, setting aside, there's a spiritual gift and power of not just saying yes when you think God is calling, but being able to say no to things that are getting in the way of actively following God's call. And sometimes we need time and space to wrestle with that and figure that out and, and work through what is happening here. And what I love is that today we get to encounter the text when Jesus himself did that work of preparation, did that work of wrestling and figuring out and saying, what do I need to leave behind in order to live into and claim this mission that God has given to me? For those of you at home, we're looking at Luke chapter 4, uh, the temptation of Jesus, his 40-day wandering in the wilderness with, that was led by the Spirit, and this 40-day period that serves as our inspiration and our model for this Lenten season of 40 days of preparation for Easter along the way. What I find incredibly interesting in this Luke 4 text is that Jesus goes into the wilderness, which is often a holy space, right? A place where we're separate and apart so that we can hear more clearly from God. And yet, when he goes, who encounters him? The devil. The devil. The, the devil encounters him and, and, and tries his wiliest best to get a hold of Jesus in a powerful way, Right? We, we see in the beginning of this text that Jesus had eaten nothing for, for those whole 40 days. And, and then when he was famished, the devil came to him and, and, and tries to meet that physical need first. Right? He says, if you are the son of God, or as some translations say, since you are the son of God, command that this stone be turned into a loaf of bread and and Jesus reminds him that while we do have physical needs, they don't define who we are. Mm -hmm. uh, one does not live by bread alone. And, and having sort of had strike number one, 
the, the devil moves on to attempt number two. If you can't appeal to Jesus' physical needs, the needs of his body, he moves to his personal ego. Y'all know what it's like to have an ego in life, don't you? I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, well, fair enough. <laughs> no, well, yes. Well, for those of you who follow the Enneagram, I'm a three, and, and it is my shadow place if I'm not careful to be mindful of what everyone else is thinking and having that influence what I want to do. And, and the devil seems to try to appeal to this, that ego power, that desire for all of the people to think all of the positive things about you in here, right? Um, it says that the devil showed him all the kingdoms of the world and said, today they will give you glory and their authority if you just worship me right? I have the power. I've got control over these people. They will praise you and worship you and, and all of that if you just give it to me. And, and as you know, that's strike number two. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work. The appeal to his ego does not have the effect that he wants because Christ knows that our worship is intended for one place and one place alone, the Creator. Yeah, I, um, I think... In this, well, one, you know, the way you said that, it actually made me think of Maslow's hierarchy of need, that yeah, pyramid yeah. Mm-hmm. of, you know, it's it's starting with that most basic thing yep. that we need. You know, we need shelter, we need food, we need a place of safety. Um, and then from there you move up. And it's not until the later levels that you can reach that ego space. Yeah. And so we know because... It says that Jesus has been fasting for for this extensive period of time and is hungry. So so Jesus does have this hunger need to be met, but yet how is he able to push through the midst of that? Mm. Um, and I think it goes back to that earlier passage at the end of chapter 3 mm. where we see Jesus is baptized. And it's so simple in Luke's gospel. It's just a couple of verses In John chapter 3, verse 21, it says, When everyone was being baptized, Jesus was also baptized. While he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit came down on him in bodily form like a dove. And there was a voice from heaven, You are my son, whom I dearly love, in you I find happiness. And then there's this, you know, piece about his genealogy, and then we get to this moment where it says at verse one of chapter four, Jesus returned from the Jordan river full of the Holy spirit and was led by the spirit into the wilderness. So I think if we are truly going to take this journey of Lent, Hmm. if we haven't had um, a year of being with God in the midst of it, if the Holy spirit isn't leading us into the wilderness, we're setting ourselves up for failure. Mm. Our ability to transcend the temptation of our physical needs, of our ego needs. Of, right. and, and, and the last temptation that, that is given is one that I think goes to a whole nother level where he, the devil appeals to Jesus' pride in his own religion, his own team, his yeah. own faith, that temptation that lives in all of us to claim, man, we are right and we are going to own it for the whole world to know. Mm. How are we going to transcend that if... if we have yeah. not been walking with the Spirit in the whole 
way. Right. We're not going to make it past the starvation level. Right. We're going to eat the sweets. We're going to drink the coffee. You know, we're right. going to do those things. Uh, so, you know, bringing that up, you know, that's a very, you know, negative way to kind of approach it of like if, if we haven't been prepared. Mm. But there is the sense that, one, I think it's okay if you don't start Lent on Ash Wednesday. Hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, if you need a moment or two to say, oh, I do need to get some things right with God. I do need to prepare my soul and then enter the wilderness. Hmm. Um, I think Christ will still show up on Easter morning for you come yeah. uh, sunrise that day. Um, but I think it's more meaningful and rich if you go through the entire Lenten journey. So yeah. I wonder what are things that y'all do to be ready to enter the wilderness season. Hmm. That preparing to enter the wilderness season is is one that, as we've talked about over the last couple of weeks, we, we've jokingly around the office asked each other, what are you giving up for Lent? Yeah. How do, have you figured it out yet? And, and as of Thursday of last week, I had not figured it out. I did not yet know what it was. But because I want it to be a powerful thing, a meaningful thing, it's something that I have to spend time reflecting on. I have to wrestle with it. I have to sit with it. And and yeah, it'd probably be good for my body if I gave up sweets for Lent. It'd probably be, you know, good for that base level of need if I didn't eat any bread for forty straight days, yeah. right? Or uh, or took on the practice of exercising not twice a week, but more than that, right? Yeah. But Lent is as much about soul preparation, right, and transcending those spaces. And so, one of the questions I ask myself is, what is eating away at my soul? Right? What is taking away that peace that Christ promises that passes mm-hmm. all understanding? And, and what can I do about that? Um, I'm having a social media fast for Lent this year. And, and it has become a place, as many of you know, of, of wonderful sharing of pictures of people's kids and their cats and their dogs and what they ate for dinner. And, and that can all be wonderful and good and beautiful. But it is also a place where we struggle to really have a conversation with real people. Um, and real complexity and nuance. It's one of those places where we all grab our bullhorns and holler out into cyberspace, deep thoughts by whoever we are, and manage in our own way to think we're having a conversation but not really have a conversation. And so one of the things I've committed to myself this season is to not only step away from that space but but step into greater intentionality of actively seeking out conversation with about issues of faith and life with people I wouldn't normally talk to in a given week. So if I invite you to coffee this Lenten season, know that I'm not likely, you know, ha- coming with an agenda. I just want to be able to have real conversation about life and faith with real people because it enriches my soul when so often our cyber conversation on those matters eats away at my soul. Yeah, for me, I, Lent is always a time, and we've kind of mentioned it, the ego, that this idea of, for me, no matter what I'm practicing, whether I'm getting rid of something in my life or taking on something, uh, it's all, for me, a, a, a reorientation of the ego. Mm. Um, and that, and in the sense of, you know, am I... Am I bowing down to those things uh, that I want uh, for myself, uh, or or am I am I focusing on what 
the world needs? Am I focusing on what others need, my neighbors need? Um, and that's always a hard thing to do because mm-hmm. we are human beings. Uh, but I definitely, in, you know, in the story of Jesus's temptation, um, again, that is what's what's happening. Like as as you say, Melissa, the that hierarchy as it slowly crawls up, um, and in that place of of you know, at first he's being directed as a human, just your basic needs as a human, uh, and then second, it's kind of the I mean, the devil honestly that that second temptation. The devil is describing uh, Jesus's world. Yeah. That that idea of this is what the point of all this is is power for so many people in that world and in that system, and uh, challenge challenging Jesus to basically have that that time of who are you going to be, Jesus? Or are you going to mm-hmm. um, bow down to those systems of power and and holding on of power for you know? its own sake, uh, or are you going to um, go speak truth to that power and, and challenge that power and be who you were created to be in that system, uh, even though you know that things may not end well? Mm. Um, and then, yeah, that third part, that, that, that's the part that is kind of hard for you know, us to understand uh, because we're not divinity, but... That idea of like, how, are you going to use the power that God has infused you uh, for spiritual renewal or for yourself? Are you going to just use it all for yourself? Mm-hmm. As again, it's that power question. Um, and so, yeah, I see, for me, Lent is always a question of uh, how am I giving up myself um, every day in those in those ways that I am called by by Christ. I love that. I. Uh... You know, it's funny because, as we said, we've joked around the office about what are you giving up? Because part of what we as a church here locally will be doing is taking on practices this Lent. And I have been so focused on these different things that we're taking on, and I'm excited to take them on, that I I didn't have the what I was giving up part. But I, yeah. I also knew that that was important. And as I realized it, I kind of had a similar question of, of what will draw me closer to God? Mm-hmm. If I'm going to go into the wilderness, if I'm giving up things, when I come out of the wilderness, what's going to have brought me um, into a deeper understanding of who my neighbor is and who uh, God is? And for me, what I realized, and I felt silly saying it out loud, like, but I'm uh, I'm giving up the snooze button for mm. Lent. Okay. Um, and and with that, right? I mean, I we'll see how this goes, but you know, I I really am. And with that, like, I'm gonna wake up. Um, I've made a 20 day mark to where I'm gonna wake up an hour earlier than my normal time frame, and then 20 days in, I'm gonna go try and go an hour earlier than that, and. The reason for that is, is because I'm not a morning person (laughs) at all, but in those seasons of life where I have woken up and there's been some space in the morning and it's not just get up, take care of yourself, look presentable, grab some food for lunch and get out the door kind Mm -hmm. of thing. When there is space to 
make French press coffee, when there is space to sit and have a conversation with my husband, when there is time to sit and read uh, the Bible or a devotional, it changes my entire day. Mm. Um, And it changes the way that goes. So I want to see what happens when the first of my day is slower and more intentional Mm. um, and where God shows up in the midst of that. Yeah, it's reorientation. Yeah. 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 I have a question, though. Okay. Is Patrick also doing that? You said you were going <laughs> to... Are you going to force Patrick to get up with you to have that conversation? Yes. No, yeah. I I did... Uh, <laughs> I asked him. I, I had said, this is what I'm doing. He's like, yeah, sounds good. So <laughs> we're in it together. <laughs> so if he looks sleepy over the course of Lent, buy him a cup of coffee and He'll give him a pat on the back it. and right. it'll all be good. It will. When you talk of reorientation, I, I'm reminded um, because one of my deepest fears for a long time in life was failing at something I cared about. Um, and and I, I like to say that one of the real joys that church planting gave me mm. was that I got to fail from a public perception standpoint on a big and broad scale. I don't want to believe that it's failure at the core because lives were changed and people were connected to to God's hopes and dreams for our lives, and we really spoke into, in powerful ways, their existence. But, but that season of wrestling with what do I do when people have thought that I have failed, right? Because yeah. our church plant was not financially sustainable, was a season of reorientation for me, and, and during that season, I encountered some words of, of Bob Goff, a Christian oh, wow. author, a, a guy that we just all love. If you haven't found his stuff, Love Does and Everybody Always are two amazing books that I commend to you. If you've got little kids, there's a Love Does Kids edition yeah. that my girls have been walking through for the last three months, and it is so awesome and amazing. In, in writing form, he's better at kids' time than I will ever dream of being. It makes me really jealous, but also happy that I get to share that with my kids as they wrestle in life and faith as well. But I encountered some of his words that reoriented my focus for life and for ministry. He said, I used to be afraid of failing at something that really mattered to me, but now I'm more afraid of succeeding at things that don't matter. Mm. Yeah, and in the seasons yeah. since that, that fear of failing at stuff that really matters has really gone away mm. and empowered and freed me to reorient in such a way that I could leave that fear of failure about stuff that really matters in the wilderness and take up the cause of Christ in, in, a, way, in a brand in a new way, right? Yeah. Um, because in, in life, there's often a lot of ways where you can check all of the easy boxes right? Yeah. Um, and, and succeed at lots of different things, but never ultimately live into the mission and the call that, that Christ has placed on you uh, and in your heart. So um, that reorientation was powerful for me in that moment. I love that. That's why I constantly um, did, I feel like, in my time in campus ministry was to... Uh, I tell my college students all the time, I would rather us try something new and risky and big Mm -hmm. than to just keep doing the same mediocre thing or keep doing something that a student can do at 
20 different other places on campus Mm -hmm. because that's not reaching that student that needs a different voice or a different way to hear Christ's call and good news in his or her life. And as we think about that related to Lent this season, it is often easy to, when you're thinking about the thing you need to give up, to name the quick five easy things, right? The the things that either will be easy for you or just are quick to name, right? The the top of everybody's list is coffee and chocolate and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, sweet stuff or fried food or, you know, a lot of the stuff at our most basic level. Yeah. Um, And I bet you could do it. But would you be really inviting the transformation that God hopes for you if you stick to just the surface level? Are you willing to risk failing even at something that seems as simple but is as profound as setting your clock back an hour or setting your not hitting snooze and waking up an hour earlier every day to create that space um, for the God who's already at work and moving in the world to be revealed to you in a more powerful way? That's a beautiful thought. I just want to clarify, I'm not waking up an hour earlier every day. Oh. <laughs> I, just, I think it's really brave of you to be waking False up. False advertising. <laughs> it's on the pod. I heard it that way. You heard it that way, too, I'm sure. It's, uh, so, it's so brave to be waking up three hours early every day. Right. I just think that everybody... 4 a.m. Shoot Melissa text messages old. and calls. And, and, uh, and so brave. It is brave. No, yeah, I think I do. I think it. I think it's. Uh, there has to be meaning in the act. Um, we uh, in the church can often go through um, acts without meaning. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can go to church on a Sunday and have no meaning if our hearts aren't there, and if our hearts aren't in the right place. And so, even with Lent, it's that thing of, you know, if if you're giving up snacks and if you're giving up whatever, like that's fine, but. Remember in those times where you really want a Snickers, you know, why you're not going to eat that Snickers because you're trying to remind yourself uh, of something particular uh, about who God is and who you are. Thanks for joining us today on the Gather, Grow, Go podcast. I'm Pastor Daniel. I'm Pastor Melissa. And I'm non-Pastor Michael. We are so thankful that you're here and hope that you will let us know that you were here by shooting us an email, shooting us text, uh, reaching out to us, well, not me, on social media um, for this season. You can find the podcast if you were sent this by a friend. You can find it on our website, fumcclebron.com. Also on iTunes, just search Gather, Grow, Go podcast and you will find it there. If you could, if you have found it there, make sure you subscribe so you get these dropped onto your phone every week as we produce them. And also leave us a review, leave us a rating. That'll help others find our podcast along the way and be a part of the conversation with you in this season. And here now is a way to grow. So as you go into your week, as you embrace this Lenten season, I I ask you, What do you need to leave in the wilderness? What do you need to set aside so that you can embrace God's call on your day-to-day? What is that thing that you can leave behind for this season so that you can hear the voice of God calling you to new life? And as you go this week, at the beginning of your Lenten journey, 
would you receive this benediction, this blessing that's meant to be lived out as you go this week. May you go in the peace of a God that waits to encounter you in the wilderness. May you go knowing that the depth that you are willing to dive down to will be right by Christ, who knows what your experience is like because he wasn't just fully God, but he also was fully human. And may you go knowing that that pull, that tug that you feel within you, leading you into this wilderness space, is the Holy Spirit. Now go. Amen.